And, but yet I wanted to have more control over my time. A lot of times people say financial freedom, but really what I meant and what a lot of people mean is time freedom, right? Because if you have time freedom, then you can be able to create, you know, you can create what you want. You can travel more, you're not tied to a location. And so. Hi, I'm Terry Shower, and you're listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here today with Bronson Hill. I'm actually really excited for this conversation. Bronson is an author, CEO, founder of Bronson Equities, which he's going to tell us about, and also a podcaster. So welcome to the show, Bronson. Awesome. Excited to be here, Terry. And I uh, hear you're thawing out there or trying to thaw out in, uh, in, in cold Canada. So Yeah, that's it. January in Canada, always below zero, just went for a run. So uh, got a little bit of the cold asthma going on. I hear you guys do cold plunges down in California. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have a cold plunge. I'll probably do it later today. I'll go for a run and then I'll jump in my cold plunge. You just, you do both at the same time. You run in the cold. <laughs> That's it. All right. So Bronson, look, by way of introduction, maybe you can just tell our audience a little bit about your journey through life that's led you to be on the show with me today. Um, yeah. So I can give a little bit of journey, um, kind of how I got here. So I started, you know, my background is medical device sales, did that for 10 years and uh, I liked what I did. I made really good money and I was working 30 hours a week or less. And, but yet I wanted to have more control over my time. A lot of times people say financial freedom, but really what I meant and what a lot of people mean is time freedom, right? Cause if you have time freedom, then you can be able to create, you know, you can create what you want you can travel more. You're not tied to a location. And so, um, so I started doing, uh, multifamily investing. I, I had been doing some single family. And just, it was way more work than I thought. I didn't really cash flow much and it looked great on paper, but I wasn't able to really get the returns I wanted. So I had a cousin uh, who had been doing multifamily or apartment investing for years. And there's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so he became my teacher. And he said, why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. And so he said, well, you can raise the money. So I learned about something called syndication that we do in the US. I know you call it private equity real estate where you're at. And uh, just about raising money for other people, you know, it take it, it is true. It does take money to make money, but it doesn't have to be your money, right? That some have said it's selfish to just only use your own money. So, fast forward now, that was about five years ago. I've since uh, quit my job uh, a couple of years ago and have raised about forty million dollars for different uh, private equity deals, both in real estate as well as uh, ATM machines, car washes, oil and gas deals, uh, other types of things. So it's just it's really really fun to see how. I've been able to use some of my experience to really grow and help others to grow their wealth as well. Cool. I want to hear about Fire Yourself. I love the title. I think that's awesome. Um, when we hear a bit of your journey, like we could sort of see where some of that comes from. But tell me about the book. What's the main idea? And uh, kind of, yeah, give me like a, a, a short version of, of what it's about. So there's this quote by Warren Buffett that says, uh, unless you learn how to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. And so it sounds a little morbid that, oh my gosh, well, you know, with when you die, but the idea is like, you know, not having to work until you die. With that said, Warren Buffett is in his nineties and he's still working, right? So he's found something to do that he describes it as tap dancing to work around 60 to 70% of uh, people, you know, employees in the U S say they don't like their jobs. They hate their work. They're not engaged. And to me, it's really a tragic thing to be able to, um, to not be able to have it. So the challenge is we don't know if something will happen and we'll become unable to work in your next month, next year, and to be able to have passive income, which really is defined as you don't have to do the work. So people that own single family, like I did, I thought, well, yeah, I'll just get more of these houses and get 30 houses. But I realized even with four or five houses, rental houses, it was a lot of work to manage. 
and it became another job, even with a property manager. So the idea of fire yourself is basically teaching people how to get out of Wall Street or more traditional types of investments. I know you have your own version of Wall Street in Canada, but get, you know, getting out of, of these traditional stocks and bonds type of things and getting into more assets that pay you to hold them. Uh, they're more on Main Street rather than Wall Street. So that's kind of gives you a framework of how to do it, how to vet deals, even if you, you aren't familiar with it, what are questions you should ask, how do you get started, and how do you start growing, even from a small amount or just, you know, never done anything, how do you start growing that passive income? Then over time, if you can replace your living expenses, it's not that you have to replace your income necessarily. If you replace your living expenses with passive income, then you you have the choice if you want to go to work or not, or you can create your own work. You can do what you want to do because you have your living expenses covered. So that's really what we talk about with Fire Yourself and just with our business. We really just trying to help people become financially independent so that they can, um, you know, have freedom how they want to live their life. Yeah. And you know what I love about what you said? And it's something that's kind of become clear to me over time as people talk about, you know, this holy grail of financial freedom. Like financial freedom is not an on-off switch, right? It's something that happens gradually over time as you begin to replace your income. And like you said, Maybe step one is being able to cover your living expenses. And then maybe you still have a day job or maybe you still have some active way of generating income, but that ultimately it becomes like sort of a income replacement process that will slowly generate freedom over time. So it's not like all of a sudden you're completely detached from the need to work, but slowly the pressure comes off. You have more security because if you lose your job, you're going to have some income coming in anyway. So am I, am I framing that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's it. Of you know, how do you? Yeah, it, it's just it's really it. How do, how does it really become passive? And passive investing, you know, there's a saying that no investment is truly passive, right? There's uh, but but if you can't scale up what you're doing, and that's what single family houses. If I couldn't, you know, go to thirty houses or go to a high number, means I'm not uh, in a more passive investment. With a lot of investments that we do, and a lot of folks that we uh, are involved with, or I just I've invested in myself personally. Uh, there are typically deals where you you vet the as an investor you vet the the deal and you vet the partners that are running it and then you invest and then from that point you're basically hands off right you're not actually the one who's actually operating anything you get you know the name of my my podcast is called the mailbox money show and so we talk about that how do you do, you know generate this mailbox money that just shows up without you having to do anything and so uh, it's not that you know you're paying attention to reports hopefully you're kind of asking questions as things come up you're getting the tax forms but you're not involved in the operations. Uh, or management at all. So I know some people that are involved in over 50, like five, zero passive deals. And to me, that sounds like a lot of work, but they're not actually operating. They're just having to kind of keep up with what's happening in the different deals and all the partners and things like that. So it's, but I find it's, it's a very different way of looking at it. But um, again, it's really, how do you get your money working, your cash working for you rather than you just working for money? And that's what people, I, we're talking to a lot of people that are business owners, people that are professionals that make a lot of money in their job or their business. And they think, well, what happens if I stop working? What happens if I sell my business? There's no income coming in. The Wall Street or financial world doesn't really offer really any attractive options. You can get some small amount, but it's not really enough to live on. And so how do you create you know, ongoing cash flow for yourself that you can live off of? Yeah. Okay. So that's really great. Can you walk me through what that looks like? So let's say I'm a dentist, I'm a doctor, I'm somebody who has some uh, you know, money sitting around that I want to invest, but I'm happy with my day job. I really don't want to take it on any more operating responsibility. What are the questions I ask? How do I go about finding those deals? You know, like me as an operator, I'm I'm sitting on the other side of the table. So those are not questions I often ask. So how should someone approach this? If they're like, okay, I want to, you know, invest 150K, 200K, 
how do I go about doing that safely and making sure that it's the right opportunity for me? Yeah. So the biggest investment we say is really you can make is in your own education. So it's just really learning yourself. Uh, there's actually two things that uh, one is education and the other is is networking. Um, I know somebody who's a full-time passive investor, all they do is invest in deals and they network and they spend like half of their time just like connecting with different people to try to learn about what deals they're seeing and how, what's happening. So that's a great way to be able to learn. So if you're just like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Um, I know, you know, all over Canada, in the US, we have these meetup groups, you know, meetup.com, different things you can search for your town or city and say, is there anybody running a real estate meetup here? Um, there are conferences. Um, I know a friend of mine runs one, Seth Ferguson runs one in uh, uh, Toronto each year. You, know, you go by going to events, you're going to meet other people there that are either other operators like yourself or my, like people that, like us that operate deals, or you're going to meet other passive investors. And I think for a passive investor, the best relationship you can have is a relationship with another more experienced passive investor. And the reason why is because they're not trying to pitch you anything as much as like, I just, I'm trying to educate people and help them on their path. Like I want everybody to do our deals. So they love our deals. They're really excited about it. Same with you. You have probably things you offer that investors can get involved with, which is great. But as a passive investor, it's so great having this relationship with a more seasoned or experienced or even somebody who's a similar place because you'll be able to run things by them. Say, I'm looking at this deal or I invested in this and I'm not sure about this. And you just kind of share notes and you get a lot more perspective as far as who are the great operators, who are not the great operators, who would you avoid, what would you do again, what are mistakes, what are things that have happened. And it's just a very, very transformational relationship. So I think that's really valuable. I think it's um, for some people that are busy, say, I don't want to go to a conference. I don't want to go out of the area. I, I think it's totally worth it. People that I know that have done it, even as passive investors, um, they've noticed their deal flow has increased, their ability to look at deals has gotten better, their, just their network and the ability to kind of like avoid losses or kind of run things by other people has really uh, increased a lot. So I think it's something, you know, like a lot of things that shouldn't be done in a vacuum. Honestly, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about investing. I think it's really good to share. And a lot of people that are at these events, you ask them in a nice way, don't be mean about it. Hey, tell me about something that didn't go well with your investing. Is there something that you can learn a lot from successes, but I think you learn even more from things that have not gone well. Did you know the Real Estate Investors Club podcast is starting a mastermind? Imagine having the power and the knowledge that's shared in these podcasts in a group setting. You get to have accountability, build a peer group, and also develop a network that's going to help support your real estate goals. Please check out more information at terryshower.com and select the Mastermind tab on the drop-down menu on the left. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how can you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Mm -hmm. No, I think uh, that's really a great tip. And you know, me as an operator in terms of thinking how, you know, you could maybe build confidence of the, of potential partners or passive investors, putting them in touch with each other and, you know, uh, maybe creating that relationship is something that I've never thought about doing, but it makes perfect sense, you know, what you're saying. And, and obviously, like I did an episode a little while ago about um, how to select the type of real estate coaching that's right for you. Like if you're looking to invest in some coaching, how can you vet the program? Because there's so many people out there who offer coaching. What's the right program? What's the right price point? 
And obviously, if you talk to someone who is selling a coaching program, they might hope to be as objective as possible. But obviously, you think what you do is great. And like, if you come to me, obviously, I'm going to give you some advice. But obviously, like, I think my deals are great deals. So that's going to be sort of front and center. But definitely by talking to other people who uh, have a track record as passive investors, it's a good way for them to sort of learn how to vet deals and, and you know, become better at assessing what they're getting into. Yeah. The other thing I was to say real quick is the educational piece. So yeah, networking and education. I mean, I, I make a commitment. It's, it's like a part-time job for me to read as many books as I can each year on investing and life and biographies. And all, because it's just, it's going to give you a lot of information. So there's tons of great books out there. I make a competitive goal with myself. And last year, 2023, I read 98 books last year. So my goal this year, I read 80 books was my goal and I read 98. So my goal this year is 90. And I'm going to try to see if I, if I can actually give my stretch goal be 100, but we'll see. So. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I never, uh, I do like to read, but I never kept a list of how many books I read. Maybe I should. It's uh, <laughs> nice to reference. So I keep it on a Google spreadsheet, Google document, and I can go back and I highlight the ones that um, you know really impacted me and I can go back and reference and share. And it's just nice to go review one once in a while too. Cool. I want to ask you, um, you know, I, I want to respect your timeline. I know that uh, we're, we're on a little bit of a short schedule here. So I'm going to get to our my two kind of favorite questions that I usually come towards the end, or the end of the interview. Tell me a little bit about some of the lifestyle hits that you've taken on your path to success. Because, you know, one of my beefs in the industry is that I feel like people are super upfront about their successes, but mm -hmm. maybe not so transparent about look, this is what I struggled with, or this is some of the um, compromises or lifestyle hits that I took along the way to get here. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I, one thing that's interesting to notice, I didn't quit my job, right? I mean, I could have quit. Some people like, you know, there's a question, when, when do you quit your job, right? When do you transition to this other thing? Some people it's like two months before retirement. They're like, oh, I'm financially free. I'm going to quit. You know, like they go to something and you're like, you're almost there anyway. And some people are like, they go to a real estate seminar or they like, take out a loan and like do a mentor that no money and they just like burn the boats and they quit their job and they like, and you know, that's really, I would recommend that, but people do it and they, some will work out. Okay. Uh, or usually it's kind of somewhere in the middle. So I think for me, you know, I had this great job. I had started, I, I started a side hustle. I was doing it on the side and it was, it was tough, you know, as far as lifestyle. I mean, for a while there, I was probably doing 20, 30 hours a week in my, you know, I had some flexibility, but that was my full-time gig. And I, and then I was doing probably 30, plus hours a week in my real estate stuff and having calls. There were times where I'd take a Tuesday off and just have calls with investors, like 30 minute calls from seven in the morning until 5 PM, just back one after another. And if you're not, you know, if you're not feeling well, or you lose your voice, that's a, that's a, and that happened a couple of times too. It's really can be challenging. So I think that's the one thing. And then I think, um, another thing, and there's just a lot of things about growing a business. Um, I joined a mastermind that called strategic coach, which is a really good one actually by a Canadian, by Dan Sullivan, who's an entrepreneur in Canada. And uh, it's worked with tens of thousands, about 10,000 entrepreneurs. And just the idea of like, how do you create a self-managing company? A lot of people, most people that own a business, um, it's just them and they're working way more hours. It's like, there's a saying that people go from working 40 hours for someone else, working 80 hours for themselves. And so in the beginning, I was kind of doing that, you know, hustling and whatever. And then I've realized like, no, I really want to value my time. And so this last year was a big win in that. I actually traveled six times internationally, went to Japan and went to uh, New Zealand for two and a half weeks. And you know, I just did different things. This year, I've got Everest Base Camp in Portugal and um, other things lined up that are really meaningful to me. And so I think it's, um, it's I, anyway, there's, there's a few things in there, but I think it's really trying to continue to develop yourself. 
um, figuring out what the right time is to leave a job and, and also being willing to scale down expenses or live simply. Um, it's not like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go do this thing and it's going to be a rocket ship. It can be, it even people like Jeff Bezos, all these people, they sometimes they had moments where, or times where they really suffered to kind of just make it work and just do whatever it takes to get it done. So, so I think there's no real, like, this is exactly what you do. But for me, yeah, I, you know, I find when I finally left my job, I was ready and I actually had to get an entrepreneur's group of other entrepreneurs. And I talked about my business and they were all like, yeah, you should leave your business pretty much, or you should leave your, your, uh, your job as much, pretty much as soon as possible to try because I didn't want to be. 70, 80 years old and say, man, I wish I had given it a shot. Right. And then they said, well, if it doesn't work, you can always go back to medical sales. I was like, oh, I could do that. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in, in what you said. I um, made me think of the book, The E-Myth, which I think is something that everybody who runs a business needs to, or, or who's operating a business needs to read. But it's so true. Like as business people, as real estate investors, like we really sometimes forget to value our own time. And so many of us get out of like the day job in the hopes of this time freedom, right? Like we want financial freedom, but like ultimately a lot of it has to do with time freedom or geographic freedom to be and do what you want when you want yeah. that ultimately you're working 80 hours for yourself. It's not really going to take care of that problem. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think that's true. And I think it's also true that thinking that you can get a business off the ground or, or, you know, end up making however, whatever, whatever figure you want to make in real estate and that there's not going to be any sacrifices in terms of time or living frugally. And it's actually really interesting. I, I get to ask this question a lot. And so many people who come on the show are like, yeah, so, you know, I had this phase of my life where I just lived really simply, or even today, like as a successful investor, someone who is financially free, like one aspect of that piece is, is just to live in a simple way because you also control your expenses and that then all of a sudden you have the time because you're not spending like a, a drunken sailor. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and there's, it's an equation, right? You have the income and you've got the expenses. And, you know, I think it's just, you know, being able to keep expenses down is great. You know, I mean, it's the best way to make more money. And a lot of people that are physicians or other types of professionals, they spend way too much. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to always look at and see what do you want? And, uh, to me, I just, I want to have freedom over time. And now I've created this year, my goal is 150 days where I don't do any work. And so that's the goal for this year. I love the metrics. Makes it very easy to quantify whether or not you're hitting your goals. <laughs> exactly. I'm a metrics guy. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. Tell me, what do you think in our industry we should be talking about that we're not talking about? Um, you know, again, I'm not sure about Canada. I know in the U.S., um, I think I, I just feel like there are a lot of people that view what we do in, in syndication or in uh, private equity real estate and other investments. It's just that there's a lot of competition out there. And I think that really, um, I don't know, I don't know how it is in Canada, but I just think of it, it's, it's kind of the wrong approach. I think that the abundant-minded approach is to be like, hey, there's just so many people. I'm a, I used to be an investment advisor for a few years, and I had to kind of leave that just from a regulatory standpoint to come and do this because of it just made more sense to do it. But um, one, of the, uh, one of the issues with it was, you know, we're so educated on traditional finance. And so I, I believe that 98% of people who should be investing in these private equity or other types of real estate deals haven't even heard of them. They don't even know what they are. Or they've never done it. And so to me, it, it feels like a mission, a cause of like, this is going to be better for people. Cause if they don't invest in Terry's deal, you know, or so my deal, whoever, like, how are they going to hear about something that's actually really going to help them? How are they going to find the cash flow they need? How are they going to get the tax advantages or whatever the advantages are by, by being involved in some of these deals? Yeah. I think, uh, 
that's not an answer I've had before, but I think it's absolutely spot on. Like, and again, it's scarcity mindset or abundance mindset. I think that's one thing you, you know, brought it down to competition. But I think in terms of looking at how we can educate people that there are other things to do for retirement than, you know, for us in Canada, we have RRSPs. I think you guys have 401ks, um, yeah. you know, like registered retirement savings plans. Um, there are other options or you can even, I know in Canada, you can even invest with that money if you want to. So yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Having options is great. And, uh, yeah, I just think being able to talk about it more, I just feel like there's a mission to, to really want to help as many people as we can. And, uh, people will be better off. They get out of big wall street type deals and enemy street deals. All right. I want to be respectful of your time, Bronson. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with my audience, share some of, uh, what you have to say. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do? Yeah, it's awesome. I appreciate it. Um, I have my, um, well, you can go, I'm on all the social media, so you can just search Bronson Hill. You'll find me. You can go to Bronson Equity, my website. Um, I have, I wrote a book, The Fire Yourself, which is behind me on the shelf here. And uh, it's uh, on Amazon, or you can check out the first couple chapters for free at uh, bronsonequity.com. So, uh, but yeah, thanks again for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you having me here today. Real estate fans, thank you for joining us today. All of the things that Bronson mentioned are going to be in the show notes linked to his book, linked to his podcast. And uh, if you found that the content here has been useful for you, you enjoyed something, try to share with at least one person you think could get value from it and join us again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. If you want to own more buildings like my mom, like and subscribe. And share this episode with anyone who you think could profit from it. See you next time, real estate fans.